Hey guys, Pastor Travis here from Unity Church Magnolia. We are excited that you chose to listen to this podcast. We pray that it will bring you hope, peace, and encouragement for your journey with Christ. God bless you as you listen. First Peter 4 verse 8 says this, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Father, we thank you for this word. God, I pray that you will help us to love each other well. God, that we will love each other deeply, Lord God, and that we will love you deeply. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Would you give the worship team a hand this morning? Amen. Amen. Last week, we talked about the love of the Father. This week, we're talking about how God has called us to love your neighbor. We know that in Mark chapter 12, um, it says, one of the teachers of the law, beginning in verse 28, it says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And he said, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord, and he is one. The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now that's what we talked about last week, but then it says, the second one is this, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. This is, there is no commandment greater than these. And so I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I love you. That's what it said. It said, love your neighbor. As yourself. Look at your second neighbor and say, I love you too. And there's one that you've completely ignored. I mean, they're feeling left out. I want you to look at them and say, I love you so much. Oh, come on. (laughs) I love you so much. God wants us to love our neighbors and he wants us to love them well. Christianity is simply this. Christianity is simply this. We make it so hard, so complicated. It's really simple. Love the Lord. Love God. Love people. Somebody say, love God. Love people. I believe with all my heart, if we can get those two things right, then everything else falls into place. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as you do yourself, then all the other commandments seem to fall in place. Number one this morning on your notes, the back of your bulletin, it says, you cannot truly love people without being in love with God. Now, that's the truth. You can't truly love people the way you are meant to, the way God wants you to, until you are first in love with God. You see, man's love is selfish, but godly love is selfless. Man's love says it's about me, what I want, what I need, what I think is best for me, what's best for my family, what's best best in my best interest, you know, uh, seize the day, live for yourself, all of these things. You know, man's love is very selfish, but God's love is selfless. Romans 15 verse 2 says, each of us should please our neighbor, not ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbor for their good, to build them up 
For even Christ did not please himself. Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who who God sent to reign forever, did not live to please himself. So he's saying, hey, I should care more about what Mikey needs than what I need. Now, now Mikey is my neighbor because I'm standing next to him. He's, he's in close proximity to me. He's my neighbor, but he's also my employee. But how many of you knows if you've got people under you, under your authority, that doesn't mean that all you think about is what they can do for you, right? Remember what Jesus did? He, he went to his disciples who were under his authority, and what did he do? He washed their feet. Now, I'm not washing your feet. You can talk to Jasmine about that, but it ain't happening, buddy. But I can tell you this, I should be thinking about what Mikey needs more than what I need myself. And I think that if we could grasp this concept, I believe that we would live in a better world. We say, we say, oh, all we want is peace. All we want is peace. All we want to do is get along and tolerance and, and all of these things. You know, all we want is peace. Well, well, we're never going to have peace until we learn how to love God properly and allow God's love to flow through us to love each other properly, to become more selfless and less selfish. Does that make sense? So God wants us to be loving one another the way Christ loved us. We've got to allow God to teach us how to love. We've got to allow him to teach us how to do that because sometimes we don't, we don't understand that because many of us probably have not been shown godly love. You may have been taken advantage of or you may have been hurt somewhere in your past or, or someone in authority may have let you down or a, a parent may have manipulated like we talked about last week, your view of love, but God can teach us how to love each other well. We should be following his example. Can somebody say amen? I think I could preach that message in any church in this city. I could go to the Baptist, to the Methodist, to the Presbyterian, and the Catholic church, and we would all agree on this. We should love each other as Christ loved us. But it didn't just say that. Isn't it interesting that the commandments didn't say, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as Christ loved you. That's not what it said. It said, number two, you cannot love your neighbor without loving yourself. Love your neighbor, somebody finish it, as yourself. Can I tell you this, and I want to talk to teenagers for a few moments, young people for a few moments, Until you value yourself, you will never value others. Until you see yourself as Christ sees you, his beloved son or daughter, you will never value others properly. I think there's the world's full of people that will step all over whoever they need to step on to get to where they need to go because they have not learned how to value themselves as Christ has. You cannot love your neighbor without loving yourself. The second is this, love your neighbor 
as yourself. So can I ask you this question? Do you love yourself this morning? Oh, that's not a question we ask a lot of times. And I'm not talking about a conceited kind of love. I'm not talking about the kind of love that says, I'm all it and everybody else needs to go jump in the creek. No, not that kind of love. I'm talking about the kind of love that says, I have worth. I have worth. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, not just for the world, but for me. That means God must see something inside of me that is valuable enough to pay the ultimate price of his son dying on the cross. So you looked at your neighbor, you looked at your second neighbor and your third neighbor. Now I want you to close your eyes and point right at yourself and say, I love me. I know that seems silly. I know that seems silly. But I think it's a shame that the suicide rate is almost as high in the church as it is in the world. In fact, sometimes it seems higher. That's a shame. That's a shame. We have lost our self-worth. I believe that that's why we have traps all in our society, traps of sin and failure, traps of pornography and sex trafficking and different things going on in the world because somewhere along the way, and it didn't take very long, if you read the Old Testament, it didn't take very long for humanity to lose their self-worth. Can I remind you this morning, Adam and Eve were created by God in the image of God that were created. I, believe, I don't believe God created them with flaws. Do you? I believe he created. Man, I, he looked at, man, it was good. He created Adam and Eve and put them in a perfect garden, man. It was awesome. It was awesome. And they sinned and they ate of the fruit. They listened to the, to the serpent. They, they fell for the trap. God came looking for them and the very first thing they did is what? They hid. They hid from God. Because something happened on the inside of them that said, I do not deserve to be walking with the creator of the universe. What did God do? He came to take his walk with them. He, they walked and talked with God. Man, that is awesome to think about that in a, in a perfect world. They are having perfect communion with God, and God came to find them, and because of guilt and shame, they lost their self-worth. And as you read, just simply from Adam to Noah, we see where the world lost their self-worth. They began to live selfishly. They li- began to live a life where, where they, they degraded human value. And God is wanting to restore that to the church. Can somebody say amen? You cannot love your neighbor without loving yourself. So some helpful questions is how do you value yourself? Do you believe that you have something to bring to the table? Because God has invited you to the table. He's invited you to to the banquet table. Do you believe you have something to bring to the table? Do you value yourself? Do you see yourself as God sees you? Here's some things that God says about you that might help clear this up. Number one, you are chosen. Somebody say, I'm chosen. John 15, 16 through 17 says, hey, God's saying, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Out of all the creation, out of all of humanity, 
God chose you. In fact, the Bible says this. Not only did he choose you, but he ordained your steps, and he ordained that you would be sitting in this room this morning to hear this message and to be reminded that you are chosen. It says, I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. You have purpose, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. What? Love each other. I think that is awesome. God's saying, hey, I chose you. Aaliyah, I chose you. There's not a lot of people that can make me laugh like Aaliyah can. She does a great job at it. She does a great job at it. You know, God chose you for whatever reason. We're all unique and we're all different. And I know this is a message that should be elementary, but as we talked about last week, the apostles were talking to the church and Jesus even edified the church and said, hey, this is just the elementary things. These are the things that we should all understand. We're all created for a reason. Obviously, I'm created to pastor. That is my passion. I believe, I believe that that's what God has ordained me to do, and, and that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm not going to retire. I'm not the pastor that's waiting for pensions or something like that. I'm going to pastor until I die. That's my plan, right? God willing. And so I'm created for that. I believe with all my heart, man, Devante was created to play basketball. Now... Now, now, I just that's, just, that's just my opinion. Now, I think he's going to do greater things than play basketball. Can somebody say amen? But I believe that God's going to use him, if he'll allow him to, on the basketball court. That dude was on fire Friday night. I thought the whole stadium was going to jump up and storm the court. Pick him up and say, Devontae, Devontae. I, we were that close, man. We were that close. I thought his mama was coming down there. Three-pointer, 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 three-pointer. Three-pointer, they stole the ball, throw it to him, threw a three-pointer at the buzzer. The score was, what was it, 90? 97 to what? 97 to 40, something like that. Man, it's just, it was an amazing thing. If you have not seen a high school basketball game, you need to go watch one. It is entertaining. I can tell you that, entertaining. Tuesday night wasn't so good. They got so far ahead so fast, all they did was dribble the rest of the game. So, I mean, you know, but it's still good. It's still good. Emma went this weekend, scored first place in her division, and their team's going to state in swimming. Come on, give them a hand. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. I could go on and on, man. I'm proud. I go work out with some guys at the gym, man. They can they can bench press me and about 200 pounds on top of me if they wanted to. You know, I mean, you know, let God use you where you're at. What you're good at. What are you good at? Do you value yourself? Do you say, you say, oh, I just play basketball. No, man, use that. God created you. He gifted you. He skilled you. He skilled you to swim. He skilled you. Aaliyah preached the other day, man. I'm telling you, whatever it is that God has called you to do, let God do it. Value yourself. God has placed value on you, and he chose you to do what you're doing right now if you're allowing him to use you. Now, you can, you can get the big head and say, oh, man, now I'm going to dominate the court. 
No, or you can do like the boys did Friday night. The first thing they did as people cheered them on, they do this every game. People were cheering them on. The lights went out. Lights are flashing everywhere. It looks like a WCW match, man. The boys come marching out, and the first thing they do is they go huddle up and pray in the middle of the court. Man, I'm telling you, it's awesome. It's awesome. Let God use you, man, because that can be a testimony. That can be a testimony of the goodness of God in your life. Somebody say, I'm chosen. God says, you are loved. Man, there are people that come in our office. They feel like nobody loves them. It's not a pity party. It's for real. They feel like there is not a person in this world that loves them. But Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, not after we got cleaned up, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He saw me in my filth and in my mess and, and in my, my staunchy religion is what I came out of. And in and, and all of these things, man, and he saw and he said, man, there is a boy that it's worth dying for. There are people under the sound of my voice he's saying, I died for you. I love you enough that I died for you. You are chosen. God chose you. You are loved. And number three, you are forgiven. You don't ever have to wonder, man. If you ask God to forgive you, you're forgiven. Somebody say, I'm forgiven. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In verse 14, In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Your past does not matter. Can I tell you, your yesterday is exactly that. It's yesterday. It's old news in the kingdom of God. If you have asked for forgiveness and repented from your sins, you've turned away, then God said the past is old news. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so we shouldn't be living according to our past. And what I found is that if we are living according to our past and our failures and our disappointments and the things that we look at and we say, man, I shouldn't have done that. I, I, man, I, I'm just trash. Then, then what we do is we begin to see other people the same way. Well, I knew Mikey before he was saved, man. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And we began to see, and we place our own guilt and our own shame on top of the shoulders of other people. And we began to burden them down with things that we have been set free from. God is saying, you're forgiven. Walk in it. You are chosen. You are loved. You are forgiven. Number four, you are valued. Deuteronomy 26, 18, one of my favorite scriptures. It says, and the Lord has declared this day. Somebody say this day. That you are his people, his treasure possession, as he promised, and that you are are to keep all his commands. We love it all. Oh, I'm his people. I'm his chosen. I'm a chosen people. I'm his, I'm his people. I'm, I'm, he's placed value on me. He's, he's, he's calling me his own. He's, he's calling me his possession. His possession. That's awesome. Somebody say, I belong to God. I have value. He says, so once you know that, 
Once you understand that, once you understand that you are God's son and you are God's daughter, well, once you understand that and realize that, then he's saying, hey, this should be enough for you to keep my commands. Because now you know who you belong to. You belong to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, the I am of the I am's. You are, the, you are God's chosen, loved, valued person. Why would we not want to live to please him? Can somebody say amen? We're chosen, we're loved, we're forgiven, we're valued. And finally this morning, you are royalty. Somebody say, I am royalty. I'm going to roll out the red carpet for you this morning. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his Wonderful light. says you're a royal priesthood. Man, that is awesome. That's awesome. You're royalty. You are royalty. You have the rights of kingship, sonship uh, to the king. Look, you are heirs with Christ. You're, you're heirs according to the promise of Abraham. We have been adopted into the family of Christ. The thing I love about that word adopted is... I had three kids, and then I chose two. Now, I don't love any of them any more than the other ones. I love all five of my kids equally. Sometimes I like some of them better than others. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. I'm human. Don't judge me because you are too. But isn't that cool to think about how God didn't say, I just had you. I didn't just have you, I chose you. I looked at you in your orphan state and said, I want that one, and that one, and that one, and that one. Red, yellow, black, and white. No matter the social class, no matter the standing, no matter the baggage, I want that one. God's will is that all be saved. He said, you're all worth it. Every last one of you, you're worth it. Somebody say, I've been chosen. So we can't love people until we love ourselves the way that God wants us to. Until you love yourself or until you value yourself, you won't value others. Well, he's not worth my time or she's not worth my time, or, or she's not worth my attention or my money or whatever, you know, or, or, or why would I want to help them in their time of need? They're not going to do anything. No, 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 we place a value on them because we began to realize that just as God values me, God values them. There are people all over our city that are hurting, that are dying, that are, that are in desperate need of a touch from God that are without hope. I'm telling you, we drive through these neighborhoods. We minister in some of these neighborhoods on our own time. We go into some places that you would pro some of you would probably never go in. And I see people, and I see their faces, and it's faces of no hope. It's always going to be like this. 
yeah, I'm in a mess, but my parents were in a mess. My grandparents were in a mess. All I know is drugs and sex and alcohol and addictions and, and, and I have no worth and I have no value. And so I'm going to sell myself to do whatever just to, just to survive. And we see people like this, and I'm not bringing things down this morning, but I'm telling you that God loves them just as much as he loves me. And he's looking at them in their place of hopelessness, and he's saying, won't somebody see their value and their worth? Won't somebody see that I died for them? Somebody say, I'm valued, and I'm loved. And so is my neighbor. So I don't have it in my notes today, but the disciples were puzzled. And they said, well, you know, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? This is where we get the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Where they pass somebody on the road, somebody that they do not normally associate with, and, and they saw saw them with eyes of compassion and took care of their needs. It's like, hey, that's a neighbor. That's a, now, that's a parable describing to us that our neighbor is anyone that we see on any given day that is in need of help, that is in need of love, that is in need of encouragement, that needs somebody to just pick them up. Pick them up and encourage, man, I'm telling you, those kinds of things can go farther than any sermon that I preach from this pulpit. That's how the kingdom of God advances. You love God. I believe if you're here this morning, it's because you probably love God. But then we've also got to love people, not just the ones we like. Can somebody say amen? Number three. We need to love our neighbors consistently. Consistently. Now, this one, I can tell you, out of all the things that I've said this morning, I believe this is one of the most important because I believe people have lost faith in the church because they love people for a little while or they reach out to people for a little while and then we quit. We move on and do something different. And I've heard different things in different places that said, you're going to have to practice longevity because we've seen the church come in and do something, and then they're gone. We've got to love people consistently. I don't think we do that through church programs. I think we do that by spreading out and being the church to our community as individuals who have open eyes to see people who are in need. Can somebody say amen? All right, so 1 Peter 4.8 says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Here's what I know. Love should never waver. We don't love somebody one day and hate them the next. Teenage girls, Y'all know what I'm talking about. I've seen my daughter come home from school. I'm never speaking to so-and-so again. 
before she goes to bed that night, they are absolute best friends. B F F F F F forever, 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 forever. Oh, I'm we're always gonna be tight. Well, I didn't think you were talking to them. We worked it out. <laughs> I've seen adults like that too. Somebody say love should never waver. Oh, churches are full of people who, can I tell you, from a pastor's perspective, people can love you one day and hate you the next. Oh, pastor, that's the best message I've ever heard. Oh, man, I just love you so much you have no idea and you never see them again. I could talk about church hopping, but I'm going to go to the next slide. Love extra on the hard days. Marriage counseling 101. Love extra on the hard days. Because here's the deal. Love is not a feeling. Because feelings come and go. Love is a verb. It's an action. It's a choice. Well, I don't feel like loving them. Love them anyway. Love them extra. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love extra on the hard days. Some days it's going to be real easy, guys, to wake up and love your wife. And then there's going to be days where you have to choose to do the right thing. That's just the truth. Ladies, you know, we're a little bit easier. It's easy to love us any day. So, I mean, uh, I understand. I understand how that can go. Okay, this one's for the ladies. The next one's for the ladies. Love past the hurts and disappointments. <laughs> Love past those things. Ladies, we're going to disappoint you. Oh, we're going to. We're going to. You know, I, I felt bad for my wife. We got married. Um, I, was a, I weighed 155 pounds when we got married. 155 pounds. One year later, I weighed 185 pounds. I gained 30 pounds in one year. And uh, I was like, she didn't sign up for that. And uh, <laughs> so I say, love past the disappointments. No, she has never made me think that she was disappointed. But we do, in all seriousness, love past the hurts and disappointments. The closer someone is to you, the more they can hurt you. Listen. Don't get too excited, Katrina. Come on. Larry's sitting right next to you. <laughs> Marriage counseling tonight. Thought I had the night off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love pass. The, the closer somebody is to you, listen, somebody can't stab you in the back if they ain't close to you. Right? Oh, but what if we could love past all that? Realizing we're people. And people hurt people. We shouldn't, but it happens. How many's ever been hurt by somebody? Raise your hand. Somebody say it happens. But if we could learn to love past those hurts and past those disappointments, I believe this, the scripture that we read, love covers over a multitude of sins. 
Listen to this. Love rejoices with those who rejoice, and love mourns with those who mourn. You see, love goes beyond our circumstances. It goes beyond the bad days, beyond the hard times. Love will endure everything that could happen to you in this life. Love is strong enough to endure if we're loving people as Christ loves people. Love will always go beyond your circumstances. It will survive. Listen, God wants us to love him well, but I believe it's equally important to him that we love people well. He said, for those that are hurting, for those that are in need, for those who we may, on a normal day, look over, he said, if you do it under, under them, you're doing it unto me. He's saying, I've placed a value on them. And whatever, however you treat them, let's just go on and get to it. That's how you're treating me. He said, I'm placing my value. Listen to this. King of kings says, I'm placing my value on people. I'm placing my worth on those who need hope. How we value them is how we value Christ. Can somebody say amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Hey guys, Pastor Travis here with you again. I pray that you were encouraged by today's message. Also, I would like to invite you to check out our website at ucmagnolia.com. There you can see what's going on at the church and you can give online and be a part of what God is doing right here in Magnolia and around the world. Also, we would like to invite you to join us in worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. God bless you and we hope to see you soon.